Hello, everyone, and welcome to the With Chinese Characteristics podcast. I'm Natalie. I'm Cherry. And together we talk about topics with Chinese characteristics, whatever those might be. Do I have a topic for you today, Cherry? Wow, what is it? Well, we're going to get into it, but I'm going to give you a little,、uh, a little treat, a little preview. A little、I'm、taste, s- okay. And this is yet another thing that the West has stolen from China, just like last episode. Oh, wow. Another. Isn't everything? Another intellectual property. Yes. But let me、okay. just get into it because I wrote 12 pages. <laughs> so, this is going to be a long episode, everyone. Yeah, so I got to get into it. In the late, get your snacks. Yeah, get you know. your snacks ready. <laughs> In the late 1940s, the Communist Party had a problem on its hands. It was overtaking more and more territory from the nationalist KMT government, much of which had henceforth had little active exposure to communist ideals. More and more in these areas were active cultural and economic centers. Full of intellectuals, businesses, universities, and foreigners. Now, right, you know, as the 1940s, the Communist Party is now starting to take over places like, you know, Beijing, Shanghai, Nanjing, right? All of these、yeah. big cities, which up until now had been sort of powerhouses of KMT. KMT. Yeah. yeah. Many were ambivalent or actively hostile to the ideals of dialectical materialism. Oh, really?、Yes. That's not the story I heard. <laughs> I thought everywhere we went, the,、uh, the city just opened its gates and, 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 and cheered. Everyone wore red. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not, yeah, yeah. Well, but that's the idea. Well, a lot、that's、of people,、propaganda. you know, they were neutral. They're like, okay. No, they were liberated. Well, yeah. Exactly, Cherry. <laughs> okay. So, so many thought the communists were simply another party to replace the KMT. Okay. Yeah. Indeed, the communists were not alone in their conquest. Other political groups either assisted them or stood aside, having lost faith in the KMT. Yes. So the KMT was an authoritarian party, but it wasn't the only party in China, right?、Mm-hmm. At the time of the revolution, there were other parties. Yeah. The other parties still had some role in the government. Yes.、Um, and there were still kind of almost like semi autonomous warlord type states、yeah. that would, lost faith and just. Threw in their lot with the CCP.、Yeah. Excuse me for maybe mansplaining this a little bit. Yeah. But really. Chinese plane. Chi- oh, wow. Chinese plane a little bit. I, well, maybe it's, maybe it's cherry spaining because、yeah. this is my opinion. But I think maybe the, the success of the CCP and the failure of the KM, it's more of a failure of the KM、oh, yeah. in many ways.、Mm-hmm. It's not just. That one side has a wing. It's the. It's also the disappointment towards the KMT nationalist government that has、yes. really, in many ways, led to it. So sorry,、yeah. carry on. And and early on in the in the until the CCP took power, they pretended like it was going to be a multi-party new state that the People's Republic of China was going to allow other political parties,、yeah. even if the communists were in charge. Yeah. And obviously, <laughs> that's not really true. <laughs> Anyway, is it ever true? No. Yeah. The CCP was not interested, though, in forming a government and ruling from Beijing or Nanjing or Chongqing,、mm-hmm. like so many conquering forces before it. Instead, they wanted to transform the populace into fervent adherents of their doctrine, as they themselves had been transformed over decades of struggle. Yeah. Those who would not or could not believe must either be cowed into silence, driven from the country, or otherwise handled. Mm hmm. Most important were students, intellectuals, teachers, writers, and similar. Those are the people who start revolutions if、yes. you don't get a hold of them. Exactly.、Yeah. And these are also going to be the people who have the most deep set political ideals about other systems, right? Yeah. So these key professions would then go out 
and convert others as they themselves had been converted. Certain parts of this process, converting the populace to communists, mm -hmm. were often referred to as Shinao or wash brain, believed to be a play on the Taoist practice of cleansing, washing the heart before entering a temple. Okay. Shinin. Shishin. Shishin? Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. No. I'm bad at Chinese. <laughs> so basically, the populace as a whole, you know, needed to be essentially cleansed Mm -hmm. and born again as communists Yes. for this new China. Yes. So and You're saying they started referring to brainwashing in Chinese at the time already. Well, there's this term that was used. Okay. So this, this practice was first widely described in a, by an American journalist named Edward Hunter in 1951. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about Edward Hunter. He's not the most reliable source. He worked for the OSS in World War II, which okay. was the precursor to the CIA. Yeah. Okay. He may have still worked for the CIA after the CIA was founded. It's a little unclear. Okay. But um, anyway, he wrote a book in 1951. Okay. And unsatisfied with other descriptions, such as mind reform, thought reform, or education, to describe this process, mm -hmm. he translated this process as a more literal term in English, brainwashing. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time the, the term brainwashing was used in English. It's okay. in his 1951 book, Brainwashing in Red China, The Calculated Destruction of Men's Minds. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. So this book consisted mainly of interviews in Hong Kong of those who had undergone the process, as well as translated journals of communist guerrillas in places like Malaysia, okay. describing their own thoughts. Now, I'm going to get into what brainwashing is in his book. Okay. But remember, this is the first time the word is used. So in a way, you in might English. in English. And so you might think that doesn't sound like brainwashing, but it doesn't really matter what you think <laughs> because he invented the word. Okay. And at this time period, it means what he says it means. Okay. He and translated I, the word and basically yeah, we're he going translated off the word. His, his definition description. His, his definition. And okay. obviously time changes the meaning of things. But this okay. is the original brainwashing. And this book that you mentioned, was mm -hmm. it popular? Was it a... Uh, it was reviewed in the New York Times, okay. which was the first time the word brainwashing appeared in the new york times okay in 1951 i think it was decently popular okay but at the time it was not seen as you know most people wouldn't care right that gotcha. this thing I was mean, happening in china that's true but given his history you say he worked for cia well he worked he, for the oss he worked for the oss he which is the, maybe worked for the cia maybe <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't know yeah so but th that gives me some reference to what he's yes he Views. really doesn't like communism. Yeah. Okay. okay. He actually seems his book for a book written in 1951, mm -hmm. as we'll get into, I feel like is refreshingly not racist. Okay. He, really? Yes. He okay. writes very, he, when, he, when he's writing or he's describing the words of people from China um, or just anywhere, Vietnam, Malaysia, he does, you know, he, he writes them the same way he writes white people which i think is kind of what a refreshing change i know it's, which in the, is in the in the seven, what, what was 1950s it? oh okay All um right. he doesn't like otherize them which is kind of uncommon which is something yeah yeah um especially in a book talking especially you know, 70 years ago and yeah. an anti-communist book so okay so he describes an interview um with one person he was telling me this is interviewing somebody in hong kong who had left china snuck out a chinese person chinese person okay he was telling me what he had gone through the story concerns something wholly new in china thought reform self-criticism <laughs> meetings and the processes of communist party indoctrination in general as practiced in red china yeah 
The plain people of China have coined several revealing colloquialisms for the whole indoctrination process. With their natural facility for succinct graphic expressions, they refer to it as brainwashing and brain changing. Mm. Brainwashing became the principal activity on the Chinese mainland when the communists took over. Unrevealed tens of thousands of men, women, and children had their brains washed. They range from students to instructors and professors, from army officers and municipal officials to reporters and printers, Mm -hmm. from criminals to church deacons. There were no exceptions to profession and creed. Before anyone could be considered trustworthy, he was subjected to brainwashing in order to qualify for a job in the new democracy. Okay. Only then did the authorities consider that he could be depended upon, as the official expression is worded, to lean to one side in all matters and that he would react with instinctive obedience to every call made upon him by the Communist Party through whatever twists, turns, or leaps policy might take, no matter the sacrifice. He must fight by all possible means and be ready, too, with the right answer for every contradiction and evasion in party statements. Mm. While the book does use some pseudoscience to explain certain elements of the process, he leans into psychology and hypnotism and stuff, which is not considered real. Okay. But I think it's because... Now we kind of fundamentally get brainwashing, right? It, it yeah. has certain things, but this is a new word. So he kind of has to be like, well, it's sort of like you're being hypnotized. It's sort of like you're being psychologically trained. Okay. But there's a lot of bunk science in it. Gotcha. Um, but by and large, much of the process is fairly mundane. It is related to and possibly rooted in Soviet methods of indoctrination interrogation. Mm-hmm. But while Soviet techniques were often used to extract information for espionage or to produce compliant subjects for show trials, China's communists used this process much more widely and much more ambitiously. Mm. So the basic parts of the process are as follows. Okay. So this would be, you know, um, a, a good case study is let's say you're a student at a university. Mm-hmm. Communists take over the university. It's a communist <laughs> university now, right? <laughs> yeah. All regular classes are canceled. All your regular professors go away. Yeah. You go to political classes. You go to political classes. It's the only class that matters. Yes. So step one, intense study of Maoist and communist thought where mm-hmm. students are required to record and remember exact details. Okay. So recite the little red book in a way. Yes. I don't know if the little red book no, existed No, it didn't exist. Then. But you know, like Marxism and Mao's and thought. Wars. All, you know, yeah. various stuff. Yeah. Discussion groups for hours where every statement is picked apart and analyzed until every member is in agreement. Mm. So basically, and if you didn't write down good notes, you got in trouble mm. during the lectures. Yeah. And then you have to repeat these thoughts. Yes. And if anybody comes up with a contradiction in the, your study group about why communism might not make sense, mm-hmm. you basically have to beat them down into submission yeah. to accept that communism makes sense. Yes. And as there can e- be no doubt. There can be no doubt. And as everybody gets experience in arguing down everybody else's objections, you internalize it, mm. right? Mandatory journal writing describing all aspects of the day, including the lengthy discussion sessions and the readers, writer's feelings on them. Okay. These journals will be regularly examined and the writer's feelings and word choices will be criticized. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So you have to write a journal. Okay. You have to write how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And they'll go... You know, oh, why were you tired? Why did you use that word? Mm -hmm. You know, why did you use this word? And you have to explain your journal. Why didn't you write enough? Yeah. And so this is a quote from somebody who undergone it. Mm -hmm. The person who writes a daily record of his thoughts in the framework of communist ideology, even if he starts out disbelieving, 
is sure by repetition to absorb part of what he is telling himself yeah. and ultimately perhaps the entire dogma. The communists exploit man's inherent sincerity. Insincerity stands out in a diary. Practically, no one can successfully fake his true opinions over a prolonged period of time. Right. The tone just doesn't ring true. And any experienced party man entrusted with reading can soon detect the falsity in the notes jotted down mm. on the basis of which he can act. Okay. This is the theory, and it was put into effect in the case of Chi, who's the guy he's interviewing. Okay. So... If you repeat a lie a thousand times, it becomes the truth. Yeah, and you. You, and you also have to, you have to inject enthusiasm yeah. into your journals. Constant surveillance by above and by one's fellows. Okay. Um, so, you know, if you seem grumpy, you might be called out, right? Yeah. Why aren't you enthusiastic about this process? Oh, yeah. Obviously, if you say anything against it, mm -hmm. or even if you're sleeping poorly. So if you roll Even around, you're in, sleeping poorly. So they would watch you while you sleep. Oh my god! And if you're rolling around in bed, you might get reported by your fellows. Okay. And they might think, oh, this person is guilty because they have revisionist thoughts. Okay. They're not a true communist. How do how do they monitor you when you're asleep? I guess if you're a they university monitor, student. Well, you, there you have group sleeping arrangements. You have group sleeping arrangements. So everybody is, you know, like a like bunks, right? Like okay. a dormitories. Right. And everybody's supposed to watch each other. Right. And if but, some, but this is, would be like re-education camps or like how do you... But that's what the university take people out of their home. Yes, okay. So we're talking about universities. Yeah, you students. can't leave. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. You're not allowed to leave. So, um, I mean, I guess you could leave, but obviously <laughs> that's going to... Then you won't be part of the party member. And also, yeah. there could be consequences, right? You don't know what they're going to do to you if you do leave, right? Or your family. Oh, I mean, 100%. They're, they're saying it's all very optional and, and... But, you know. Yeah. Anyway. And there's different levels of these universities yes. and these camps. And okay. if you're in a university and they think like, oh, this person has revisionist thoughts, or maybe your parents were wealthy or you had a relative in the KMT, mm. they might even send you to a more intense re-education camp. Re well, university. University, show. sorry. Education camp. Yes. <laughs> and the idea is, is that if you're sleeping poorly mm. and your people in your group don't report you and a cadre member sees it, then oh, everybody gets punished, right? They'll be like, why didn't you report? Yeah, why didn't you report they were sleeping poorly, yeah. right? So anyway, every tiny little thing can be something to draw upon, right? So obviously it's extremely stressful. Yeah. Group punishments and rewards, mm -hmm. forcing every individual to comply to the needs of the group. Yeah. Constant low-level hunger, which debatably is maybe just China during this time <laughs> period. But, yeah. you know, everybody's hungry. There's few breaks for rest and relaxation yeah it's constant right i mean i i i i i'm not i'm not surprised by that because i feel like it's, yeah it is a way to it, the whole communist at least at least on paper yeah is that they're like well you cannot uh you know personal enjoyment is a sin yes you can't well we're eat. gonna get into a yeah, little okay. bit okay so you're cut off from family children wives parents as, as husbands well. husbands yeah well are we only training brainwashing men? No, you're brain, they're brainwashing women too. Okay. Um, Just making sure it's equal, so equal this, rights. And, and yeah. the idea is, is because you have nobody else to talk to besides yeah. the other people undergoing this process. So yeah. you have no outside input. Mm -hmm. You have no like reality check or sanity check yeah. for like, is this normal? Mm. You just have everybody around you who yeah. has to act like it is. Yes. So this is somebody describing somebody who's... Um, uh, about to graduate his was not the only such problem many students were married and had been separated from their husbands or wives by the training course okay they keenly felt the pressure against their family ties 
When a married person entered a revolutionary university, it usually meant that he was separated permanently from his wife because he knew that after graduation, he would surely be sent to work in some locality where the other couldn't go. Mm. The communists tried to persuade such persons to ask for a divorce. They based this demand on the reasoning that once a man, or woman, I guess, had gone through a course in idea training mm -hmm. while his wife continued living or working somewhere else, their ideas would not be alike when they resumed living together. Mm. So they would have different viewpoints in life. So okay. a divorce was recommended as the only way out. Married students were told, this course is giving you a different political foundation from that of your wife. There could only be two alternatives if you resume living together. Either you will influence her or she will influence you. Yeah. And... He describes, we talked about this slightly in our Concubines to Comrade book mm -hmm. about the divorce laws that came out yeah. during this time period. Yeah. And Edward Hunter claims it's, it's so people being brainwashed mm -hmm. can more easily divorce their spouses who weren't there. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's part of it. I would, I, I would say that makes sense. Yeah. But maybe more importantly, obviously it was disguised as a women's rights issue. Oh, yeah, yeah. But really it's not, you know. <laughs> Maybe it benefited some women who wanted to get a divorce because, let's be honest, it, you couldn't get that yeah. in old China. So it is good in that way. But really, the people who could have decided that was men. And I know I'm saying, oh, yeah, women can get brainwashed too. Yeah. We want to Equal opportunity, Jerry. Everybody yeah. can get brainwashed. Yeah, but I'm not saying, like, it's a majority of the party members who yeah. are getting trained to become devotees yes. um, would be men. Oh, yeah. Vast Definitely. majority of them. And there's all these that I think maybe I want to do an episode on one, at one point. Sorry, I'm rambling. Mm. But um, that uh, there's all these women soldiers, women party members before 1949 that mm -hmm. had worked very hard for the party. Right. And then they didn't get really any official rec recognition or leadership positions. or leadership positions. They may have gotten empty recognitions. You yeah. know, they have gotten praises, but they, they haven't gotten any of the real power, really, all that much afterwards. Mm -hmm. So so, you know. As much as I'm against to calling just generally people men, like it's saying he did, you know, he was brainwashed, yeah. but majority of the people getting brainwashed were men at this point because women wasn't even considered worth it to. Well, no, to there's quite become, a few women are getting brainwashed at these universities, but it, it mostly men. But, yeah. Majority. I think it's like maybe like 20% women or something well, like that. You know, I think 25. it's 50% population. So <laughs> yeah. I think it's fair to say majority. Yeah. yeah. So. So, so, and then on. one of the final things is the constant self-criticism sessions mm -hmm. and essays where one must put one faults on display in a group setting. If one is not sufficiently open with their self-criticism, they may be singled out for even more intense brainwashing. This eventually culminated in a graduation confession of sorts oh my God. where your final self-criticism is read and picked apart by the group and party officials. Mm -hmm. Having your final confession accepted was intended to be a somewhat transformative and cathartic experience, which marked your rebirth <laughs> as a communist comrade. Right. OK. So this is like your this is like your dissertation yeah, yeah. of why <laughs> you're you are a bad person, basically, and yeah. why you need communism. Yeah. Um, Not only. That communism, you can't say communism wants you, which is the truth. No. You can't say communism needs Why more people need and communism. followers. You, you have to prove yourself to, the, to communism. Why you're unworthy. <laughs> yeah. um, this is what he said. He said, many, many eyes, this is someone who went through it, many eyes became moist during the reading and boys and girls cried openly in class. Mm -hmm. Some students cracked up under the strain. A relative of my friend lost his mind under the mental struggle he had to undergo. Mm -hmm. The worst part was when everyone had to pick flaws in the papers of others. Mm -hmm. If you didn't participate, this would be held against you. 
I have never known so efficient a way of prying into the lives of other people as to force a person to stand up and read a confession and then be questioned by others who would try and find contradictions and omissions. These weren't laughing matters. The questions had to be answered fully and seriously. Mm. So, as you can imagine, the stress involved was immense. Yeah. Especially for those who might have KMT or business connections, mm-hmm. which is a lot, which right? Which is a lot. KMT was the government. Yeah, the they were the government, government. right? Yeah. And lots of parts of the government went over to the communists, right? Oh, Entire yeah. KMT units, you know, like... No, if they inherited a, a, a lots of the structures. Yeah, if you're like a, a train station worker, right? I mean, you yeah. might technically work for the KMT or something, right? And yes. so you have to confess all of this. Especially, so some committed suicide in the lead up for this process or mm. attempted escape. Yeah. It was always possible that if one confessed something too dangerous, like <laughs> being a KMT officer, they may simply be killed or imprisoned for life. Oh my God, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. laughing. So, so you have to pick what you're confessing. Yes. And really... And, and Edward Hunter is kind of like, like really people fell for this? Like they yeah. would confess like stuff that's going to get them killed? No, they have to. And the guy's interviewing is yeah. like, no, no, like this is, you weren't there. Yeah. You, you, you don't have anyone else to talk to. Yeah. If you don't confess enough, then you might be there forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, however, not confessing enough could be equally nerve wracking as the brainwashing may continue until the officials are satisfied. Yeah. So as things progressed through the brainwashing and it began to take hold, there was some time allowed for recreation, mm-hmm. so long as the games upheld communist values. <laughs> so you want to hear some fun, some, well, let's, some let's fun hear. communist party <laughs> brainwashing camp games? Sure. And, and the thing is, is it's as, not going to be Monopoly. At, no. For sure. <laughs> as you get closer to graduation, yeah. part of it is as you confess more and more, you know, you, they, it becomes a little bit more relaxed. Okay. Because the idea is as you tie yourself deeper to this ideology Mm -hmm. they let the stress down a little bit okay so you feel better right you feel like oh i do feel better after i confess sure you know you feed people more you you know do you you know (laughs) okay so what are are the games here's one game which is called union okay which is everybody in the class has a random name on their back of somebody in the class on on like a piece of paper okay and then you all mingle around and then everybody has to find the person with their name on that person's back. Okay. And then you put your hands on that person's shoulder. And then they have to find the person. So you form like a big snake. So you okay. form like several snakes. Okay. And then you all form a big snake, right? And it's how quickly can you all find each other's name? So you name. just look around, see who your name is on whose back. I know, but once you've like, once your hands are on somebody else's back, you know, yeah. they have to find their name with you hanging on. Okay. You know, so it's. It's all good fun, Cherry. Is it? And then you, you form, you, you all link up okay. until you're one big snake. Okay. Right? And then you sing songs. It, it um, seems... <laughs> am I reading too much into this? <laughs> what? You got to keep each other accountable and... Well, you got to know who each other is, right? Yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here's another one, which is called Everything for the Front. Um, this is a quote from the book. Okay. Everything for the Front was the name of another military game in which 40 or 50 students were divided into two teams, each representing a village at the front. Two students were named to represent the Red Army. Okay. And one at a time would shout out the name of some object supposedly needed by the Red Army. Each team would compete to get it to the front line first. Okay. N- needed. A shoe for the left foot might be one cry. And the two teams would race to get it to the front. Whichever side got it there first won a point. A great deal of good humor was brought into the game by asking for unusual objects. Needed. A white hair for the front might be the cry. And then everybody would rush about searching <laughs> each other's heads for a white hair. Okay. Which would be promptly torn out and rushed to the front. These and these are adults. We're talking. Well, these are like young 30, adults. 
Well, I mean, a lot university of university students would be young adults. Yeah, and yeah. they're not like eighteen-year-olds. Most of them right. are like well, people get sent to. Well, I, I, I'm guessing at this point, I'm fairly certain we're talking about party schools, like, yeah, like Dangxiao in Chinese. So. And some of them are converted regular universities. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they did. But yeah. they're, or, or universities will have a division that's yes. part of the party school. But yeah. like maybe age 20 to 35. Okay. You know? But that's adults. I know. It is <laughs> definitely adults. <laughs> okay. But sure, this is all good fun. This is wholesome sure. Communist Party fun. So beyond this targeted brainwashing that mm-hmm. would occur in these specific, you know, kind of universities and camps and things, uh-huh. there was a broader campaign across the entire country. Plays, songs, marches, books, and other propaganda was disseminated, and less intense brainwashing sessions were used to vet people for general work. Okay. Uh, for, I mean, so if you wanted to be a street cleaner, right, you might have to go for, you know, a week of going to a meeting. And a street getting, cleaner has to. Well, everybody has okay. to, basically. Right. Well, you, and it's, you know, you go for a week and, you know, they make sure you weren't secretly some KMT general that's hiding or whatever it is, right? Okay. Um, and these were used to vet people. They might only last a few days or a week and were just used to weed out troublemakers. Mm. So overall, Hunter suggests that people in China were tired of decades of war and corruption, and they wanted to believe in something better. If only they gave themselves over to this new movement, many people thought, they could find peace and make a better China. This exhaustion and hope intermingled and eased the communist task. Right? People wanted to believe. Yeah. Right? They wanted to believe that this is going to be better. Hunter himself visited Macau during this time period, to observe communist festivities that had overtaken the regular Double Ten National Day celebration, mm. um, so he went to Macau, and basically the communists Macau had communist celebrations at this time. I mean, yeah, you know, it was a okay. I mean, but like you know, it was unofficial. You know, what I mean, they it was officially like there. Basically, there were there was communist organizations in the city, and they sure, they yeah. asked for permission to have like okay. festivities. Okay, got it. Um, and and part of it was actually they did it during the same time as Double Double Ten Day, mm-hmm. the, the national KMT holiday, yeah. to kind of erase it, yes. basically. But anyway, he went there, and um, he there was huge parades and all these celebrations. And then he said, I was enjoying this. I was enjoying the glamour and the color and the sound and the happy faces. This is Edward Hunter. Mm. I thought of what Harry Chang had told me, and I was able to appreciate a little more of what this frustrated young man had gone through. Mm. I pressed myself against the side wall down front, took out my little notebook, and as inconspicuously as possible, recorded what I saw and felt. Okay. I was the only foreigner present. All the rest were Chinese. Mm. How could anyone, even if he had come because he knew that he had to, and not because he had wanted to, have failed to be impressed by the curious sense of being caught of participation in a monst- in a momentous event. Oh yeah. Would young people in the audience ever forget it and would it not color their future attitude sympathetically towards that which gave them this experience of personal elevation? Yeah. This after all is what a church service tries to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And they would not and they would not resent and close their eyes to anybody or any philosophy that disillusioned them and so cheapen the beauty of this m- morning in their spiritual lives. Yeah. That this could be the medium by which dialectical materialism was being popularized seemed inconceivable. Surely there was a faith attached to it. Um, So basically he's saying like, it almost feels more like a religion. Mm. But anyway, he goes there and he's like, you know, I I get why this is appealing, right? Mm -hmm. It's Chinese people doing it for Chinese people. China's standing up. It's a celebration. Foreigners aren't involved. Yeah. I get why this would be inspirational. Yeah, 100%. The problem is though, 
is that it, he, well, at least in Hunter's for it's for a bad reason. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, but so, that doesn't matter. No, what reason is for doesn't doesn't affect how effective no, it, exactly. it might be. And 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 again, Hunter saying, and this is before what we're going to talk about in the Korean and War. Also, to him, it's a bad reason. To yes, some of to the him, people, it's a bad reason. Yeah, but Hunter himself is like. I was affected. I got it. I'm not even Chinese. And I felt like, yeah. you know, China's... And I even thought this was a bad, for a bad reason. And I still got affected. And I still felt like China's standing up, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. Humankind is weak. Yes. In that sense. So Hunter ends the book with a warning that the CCP and their ideology was not content to stay contained within China. Hmm. That unlike the West, who viewed the various conflicts in Vietnam, Malaysia, and Korea as separate... China viewed them as one big conflict and as stepping stones in a global battle of ideals. Mm. So. Well, I agree with that, but I don't know if the West, view, I don't know if America viewed that as a, as separate. Well, that's the whole Cold Hunter's, War thing. I know, but Hunter's claiming they do, right? Well, I don't think they this do. This is early in the Cold War, by <laughs> okay, the way, okay, right? This is okay. only 1950s when he's writing this. Right. Okay. So I don't know what everybody thought at the time, but he's but, claiming everybody views it as separate. Okay. I don't know if I buy that, but, but sure, he's... He, I buy that he claimed it because he wrote it. So Um, all of this might have only been a footnote in history, Mm -hmm. if at least for the U.S. Right? Obviously, in China, it's a big deal. But if not for what was also happening in 1951, the Korean War. Mm. Throughout thousands throughout the war, thousands of Americans, British, Turks, and others were taken prisoner by Chinese and North Korean forces. Yeah. And though thousands died prisoners mainly in the bitterly cold first winter of the war mm-hmm. the remainder were eventually subjected to heavy doses of brainwashing techniques the effectiveness of this process seemed undeniable as soon prisoners were broadcast thanking their chinese hosts mm. making false confessions for things such as biological warfare mm. and informing on their fellow prisoners yeah also 23 and some think i see 21 but i think it's 23 23 prisoners refused repatriation at back at the end of the war. Mm-hmm. A, a strange and humiliating blow to U.S. prestige. Yeah. Also, one British soldier didn't want to go back. <laughs> These events would create simmering fear in the U.S. of brainwashing, a okay. process by which regular white, they mean men, could be turned into loyal communist agents. Yeah. It's one thing if they're doing it to Chinese people, Cherry. <laughs> but if they can, they're inherently weak. But if they can yeah. brainwash a Harvard-educated you know, Anglo-Saxon, young white Christian man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then that's a big problem. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so it created a crisis of, may I say, American confidence in yes. a way. So okay. let's, but let's examine what happened in the camps, right? Okay. The two primary goals of this brainwashing, quote unquote, mm-hmm. seem to have been creating useful propaganda and gathering military intelligence. It's not clear if people's volunteer army forces, Chinese, right, mm-hmm. believe that they could truly convert large number of foreigners to communism though they certainly tried. Mm. Similar tactics were used as in China. Long study sessions, constant questioning, demands for confessions, yeah. along with hunger, stress, fatigue, isolation, cold, and supposedly the occasional beating. Mm. Great efforts were taken to isolate individual prisoners and groups of prisoners through both physical separation and creating collaborators within the ranks. Okay. So, um, again, similar. And obviously they're geographically isolated, yeah. Right. They're in Korea. Yeah. You know, they can't talk to anybody else besides the people in the camp who are also being brainwashed. So, so perfect condition. To- yes. <laughs> Despite having one great advantage over Chinese victims of brainwashing, namely believing someday the process would end. Obviously, if you're in China and communist China is being taken over. That's your life. That's your life. Right. So the you might as well get you, you might as well get used to it. Yeah. Right. There's a feeling. Don't of, kill yourself. 
Yeah, or but, kill yourself. There's a feeling yeah, of, but, or pretend, right? You yeah. can, you, if you could get away with it, you could just pretend you're a communist. But if everyone's pretending, then that's good enough, right? That's true. But as a POW, you have you, a you think, well, someday I'm going to get out of this. Yeah, I, I got to just the hold war's on. The war's going to end, and yeah, yeah. Brainwashing was still extremely effective on them. Many soldiers, actually, most soldiers, collaborated in some way. Um, uh, for example, for increased food or privileges, you know, other, you know, perks. Mm. collaboration you would maybe not see the harm in spouting off some sort of nonsense that the, that the chinese wanted you to read on the radio right thinking like well whatever hey i get a pack of cigarettes right you're I, like i'll play the system yeah sure whatever I'll, yeah yeah america sucks you know yeah um some even informed on their fellow prisoners or actively disrupted prisoner organizations Ooh, because that's they, bad okay yeah. that's worse than that's worse than saying oh i believe in communism yeah as an individual so yeah. possibly most alarming to U.S. government and military was that white Americans seemed to perform worse out of any prisoner group in the camps. <laughs> okay, because well, there are like there's black British, Americans, black Americans, British, okay. there's, you know, um, all kinds of different groups. Okay. Right. And also a lot of Turkish prisoners because Turkey sent troops as part of the U.N. Oh. peacekeeping force. Okay. So the British banded together using humor and a quote-unquote stiff upper lip to resist pressure. Okay. And seemingly few, if any, British either informed on their fellows or agreed to broadcast Chinese propaganda. Right. The American soldiers seemed to see the way out of the experience as individuals, said one British. If one stole a bit of food, he would scuffle into a corner and eat it alone. <laughs> the British and American Marines took it in groups. We stuck together. Okay. And also, the, apparently, the American yeah. Marines did better, too. The worst was the U.S. Army. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, and this is as one American helicopter pilot who was captured put it. Okay. We were very poor POWs. We envied the British regimental tradition. Mm. The attitude amongst most of our men was, hooray for me, screw you. The communists were largely successful in isolating us from each other. I mean, can I just say that is very American <laughs> right? in a way. Don't blame this on the, Chi on, on, on yeah, the Chinese. Very individualistic. <laughs> Pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. You could pick us off. Yeah. Um, the just make some lies, get some more food. Every man for himself. The Turkish also did not collaborate with the Chinese and instead quietly murdered the one or two who attempted to do so. <laughs> wow. <okay>. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if they come back and they inform, they would just kill the person. And then they would not say who did it. And then like, you know, the Chinese, what are they going to do? Right. So the British troops would not, uh, would largely not even involve um, American troops in resistance activities, mm. barring a few exceptions as they had such little faith in them not to collaborate with the Chinese. Yeah, they might, they might inform on you. Yes. Yeah. So black Americans too reportedly held up at least as well, if not better than their white compatriots. Ah. Uh -huh. This was despite an intense effort to brainwash them for propaganda purposes. Yeah. Presumably for the intent of stoking racial tensions back in the U.S. I mean, yeah, 100%. Any alleged, you know, American complaint about alleged yeah. Soviet or Chinese civil rights abuses. Yes. And they're like, well, you lynch people. So, you know, who are you yes. to tell us? So, and America was lynching people, right, during this time. Yes. So. Well, one of Mao's propaganda is that we have to unite with the black people of America yeah. that are suppressed. They are our brothers and sisters mm -hmm. and we can win them over because they're, we're in the same camp. We yes. have the same interest in, in against capitalism and the suppression. And, and yeah. there's a undercurrent amongst, I mean, obviously it can't, it's not entirely, but uh, during the, of the whole civil rights movement process mm -hmm. of Americans, even conservative Americans going like, damn, Mao might be right. 
<laughs> we, 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 you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, th- th- this is a national security risk. Yeah. How racist the U.S. is because it, you know what I mean? It invites stuff. Can't argue that. I mean, I think it's not because it's, maybe it's a national security concern because it invites yeah. other propaganda. But I think mm-hmm. obviously maybe they should have realized real yeah, racism no. was bad for other reasons. No, but this but. is like, oh, well, we got to do this for, you know. against communism in theory black americans would have had more reasons to listen to chinese propaganda given their second class legal economic and social status back in the u.s Mm. however by and large efforts against them were less successful than against white troops Mm. in his book on korean war pow's edward hunter interviews several returned black pow's and then compares their experience to white troops and makes observations on why black troops perform better Here are some of them. Mm. So this is a couple years after the war. So he's talking to people who've been back. Unlike white troops, who by their own admission treated their survival as an individual affair, black troops tended to band together and form organizations within the camps to support one another. Yeah. Okay. So this is a quote. Yeah. You'd see a man sitting beside you. Maybe he'd been sitting that way for hours. You knew what he was thinking about because the only comments he made were about the commies. Maybe they had just called him in for a brainwashing and told him he wasn't Frank and to go out and think, just think about how wrong he'd been, and then to come back and confess. Yeah. Confess. Confess what? They were always insisting on confessions and on what they called self-criticism, <laughs> and they wouldn't tell you what crimes you were supposed to be guilty of. You mm-hmm. were supposed to figure that out for yourself. Yes. You'd see that fellow, like I see you sitting here, and suddenly he'd go off the beam. He'd crack, just like he was smashing up from the inside. He'd be all gone. Mm. He'd first look off into space for hours, and then he'd do crazy things. Mm. He'd walk out of the camp in broad daylight going towards the river and not have a chance in the world. We'd stop him if we saw him in time. And I was like, I guess the guards would shoot you, right? If you're trying to walk out the camp. Yeah. We'd try and stop him in time. Sometimes we had to sit it out all day and night watching one fellow when he got into this state because you never know when he'd try and kill himself. Oh my God. Okay. So obviously, if you have no one else to talk to, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be quite a stressful situation, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So black troops were um, less likely to even consider the propaganda fed to them by the Chinese, dismissing it out of hand as nonsense. Mm. White troops, especially educated ones, would often try and debate or engage with Chinese instructors who eventually wore them down over months and years. Yeah, they're like, this is an intellectual debate that I will, of course, win. And to be clear, you have to take... I don't don't think Edward Hunter necessarily made these stuff up, Mm -hmm. but obviously Edward Hunter is rapidly anti-communist and he's also kind of anti-intellectual and he thinks universities are kind of infiltrated by communists Mm. so some of this could just be edward hunter's anti-intellectualism okay but um (laughs) so this is what another uh, soldier said i was never the least bit doubtful i thought it out i decided that ideas that people try to force on a man can't be too good if they were good they at least they wouldn't have to force them on you yeah once i made up my mind to that and had this to test them by, no matter what they said, it went in one ear and out the other. Mm. But yeah, if you try and debate them, yeah, they'll wear you down, right? Yeah. Black troops apparently held on to personal beliefs like religion better mm. than white troops. Yeah. Black soldiers were better at using the wild marijuana that grows in Korea for stress relief. <laughs> okay. So wild marijuana grows all through Korea. I didn't know that. Um, okay. They described white soldiers smoking it neurotically after already having been turned by the Chinese. Yeah while they would smoke it communally to relieve stress between brainwashing sessions. Mm. The black soldiers Hunter interviewed all described having to deal with hardship in life. Because of this, they had developed coping mechanisms that helped make it through. Yeah. They described how some other soldiers, 
white, with more privileged upbringings were at a loss and could be brought to tears and gratitude by something as simple as a piece of candy. Yeah. <laughs> and the black people of America yeah. goes, I've seen bullshit. I, I, yeah. You right. Know, which I've, is, I've seen America's propaganda. Which is, you know, and, obviously like it's not good that they've had to suffer through this. No. But, but there's a, but basically a hundred saying like you can't, you would think that the more educated upper class people would resist brainwashing better. No. But he's actually, yeah. there's some of the worst people at it. Yeah. And you Nothing know, in your life prepared you for this. No. And the hardship that black people have gone through in America. Yes. In a way, prepared them for. This is just another this. bullshit thing yeah. in their lives. Yeah. One of the things that Hunter talks about is like, these people, you know, you're some reservist, you're some 18-year-old, regardless, white or black, whatever your situation is. Mm-hmm. You go to Korea, you might not even fully understand what communism is. You might not understand why you're fighting the war. Yeah. You certainly have no idea what's waiting for you in that prison camp. That's all true. Yeah. And and so you're just completely unprepared. Yeah. So you basically have to figure out how to resist this process. Mm-hmm. Or if you should. Or if you should while it's happening to you. Yeah. And the U.S. Army and the U.S. military in general is going to take some of these things. Uh-huh. And there's now um, rules and conducts and stuff you're supposed to do if you are a prisoner of war, of like you're supposed to form resistance groups, you're supposed to gotcha. do all these things. Yeah. And a lot of it is modeled off of what worked in Korea mm. and what didn't. Mm-hmm. Now they can be prepared now they can for be prepared. the brainwashing sessions to come yes. if they get captured. Hunter also described some basic elements for keeping your head in such a situation and advocated that they be taught and disseminated amongst society at large. So the elements that gave a man moral strength were just as definable as those which gave him physical strength. Hmm. Out of the experiences of all those brainwashed persons came a practical and satisfying pattern for survival against mental pressures. This is Hunter's words. Okay. Such survival knowledge can ultimately destroy communism, internally and externally. These elements can be named and listed. They are, this is what you need to resist brainwashing, Chair. Mm-hmm. Faith, convictions, clarity of mind, a closed mind, when, you know, when you're in a session, you just ignore stuff, right? Sure. Um, purpose, keeping one's mind busy. Confidence, deceit, hijinks. So little capers, little schemes. Adaptability, crusading spirit, groups feeling, group feelings, and being yourself. <laughs> Is this the beginning of a modern self-help book? You want to resist brainwashing, Cherry? You got to be yourself. Sure. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll just do all those things yeah, and then there will things. be no more communists in yeah. the world. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so the whole affair raised fear back in the U.S. Yeah. Despite no evidence at all of this being the case, mm-hmm. suspicion remained that the communists were somehow using some sort of secret technique to brainwash people. Um, uh, ap- in the U.S.? In Korea or and in China, that there must be something special to this. They might have oh. some drug. They might have hypnosis. Right. So, so rather than like talk and, and classes you got to take, confessions you got to make. There's got to be something secret that they're there's doing. There's got to be something like magical. Yes. Like right? weird. They can't have just convinced these people. Right. After all, Cherry, I mean, how could our best and brightest yeah. young, young, affluent white men yeah. how could get bra- brainwashed yeah. and, you know, it didn't happen to like the Turkish people or something. Or how like. could brainwashing be so simple? Yes. Seemingly that you don't need drugs or, yes. or, or electrotherapy <laughs> to achieve it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in 1958, Hunter testified to a congressional committee. Mm. Um, he says, war, had cha- war has changed its form. The communists have discovered that a man killed by a bullet is useless. He can dig no coal. 
They have discovered that a demolished city is useless. Its mills produce no cloth. The objective of communist warfare is to capture intact the minds of the people and their possessions so that they can be put to use. This is the modern conception of slavery that puts all others into kindergarten age. Mm -hmm. Congressional official asks, where is this war being waged? Where are the battlefields? What are its geographical locations? The battlefield is wherever there is no red peace. Peace in the communist vocabulary <laughs> is the period when all have accepted in a so-called voluntary matter yeah. the inevitability of a communist world. Yeah. The battlefields are all those countries which have not yet fallen into this red orbit. The weapons used in this war are adjusted to the practical situations of those countries. What well, are if that doesn't stir up a well, fear-mongering... Yeah. yeah. And then he says, what, what are those weapons? Yeah. Hunter says. They range from a smile and a discussion meeting to a leaflet <laughs> and a bullet. Oh so, my god, okay. This is what this is what's coming for us, Cherry. This is why. Yeah. We got we gotta be we gotta be wary. So I want to talk a little bit about Edward Hunter, because a lot of this has been from his works, which are some are a period piece, more yes. or less. Yes. I believe he faithfully recounted the stories who had been brainwashed. Mm -hmm. I believe he is writing their words. Mm-hmm. And he paints a fairly accurate picture of the process okay. in these books. However, he then uses these statements to make some rather outlandish and inaccurate claims about the capabilities of brainwashing. Yeah. Um, and how it's sort of like a global thing and, and like the U.S. as a whole is being, is being brainwashed mm. into accepting the inevitability of communism. Right. For example, he claims that the U.S. lost the Korean War because we had become nationally brainwashed to feel bad about nuking people. Otherwise, we would have just nuked China. Ah, He's basically, yeah. China has brainwashed us into feeling guilty about uh. using nuclear weapons. So we didn't, but we yeah. should have. And if we hadn't been brainwashed, we would have just nuked them. And well, we if you argue being like not, <laughs> being anti, uh, anti yeah. um, what do you call it? Nuclear weapon. Yeah. Being anti-nuclear weapon is being brainwashed Jay. by China. It's, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, maybe we're doing something good. Maybe yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so you got to take... So the conclusion is biased by him. Yes. Let's not buy the conclusion. Yes. So, so I, I'm focusing mostly on the, on, on the, on the, on the reality of yeah. what people went through, okay. right? And so he's secondhand source that we can at least, you know, we, yeah. we have good faith, some good faith that he's recounting yes. the words correctly and, and accurately. And the interesting thing is, is, is other books, for example, um, uh, like uh, Max Hastings has kind of an overview of the Korean War and it talks about the prison camps and a lot of this lines up with Hunter's stuff. He might even have gotten some of it from, from Hunter, but, right. um, you know, even things like, like, the, like the British troops, you know, they're like these, these like, white, like white American, like white American army troops yeah. are, are completely hopeless, yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, and it's not like, like, for example, black troops or other groups of troops somehow had some magical quality. Right. It's just that they were more in line with everybody else. Yeah. And, and white affluent American troops were particularly. Compared to everyone else. That's the one group that stood out. It stands out, right? Yeah. Is, is white Americans. Yeah. White army soldiers did particularly bad. Right. Not the Marines. No. Apparently. Because they had more like, I guess, well, the, the Marines historically i mean it's big now uh -huh. has, has been more of a closer knit service right than than the army who is you know at this point in the korean war you have all sorts of draftees and it's a huge right. organization and so support network they have support network right yeah did, uh, did edward uh did, did he um suggest that as part of the regimen to resist brainwashing 
make friends <laughs> having a support group making oh friends. no no but, yeah. but yeah that's that kind of stuff is, is what's going to come into i mean he talks about that in his little his little tidbits yeah group th- group feeling right. <laughs> but you know you have to form support networks in the camps and these sort of lessons mm-hmm. and like the army has a school or the i think it's maybe it's the navy but it's called seer it's survive escape survive resist escape survive es- survive <laughs> you want me to look it survive up? endure resist escape i think it is okay S-E-E. but it's s-e-r-e but anyway it doesn't matter but basically it's like if you're a pilot you go to it to like if you get shot down like this is this part of so it's part of your training yes how to resist interrogations how to resist psychological pressure how to form resistance groups if you're captured and in the vietnam war this sort of thing did not happen on the same scale. Mm. Um, it was very, it was much rarer for American troops to collaborate because they kind of knew what they were getting into. There was a, there was training. Yeah. Um, they were prepared. They were prepared. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so late 1950s, obviously, is, is the Red Scare, right? Where yeah. McCarthy, all these things, they're saying there's secret communists all over in the government. However... And, you know, the people have been brainwashed. Yes. And there were actually some people, like there was one famous British guy who who was like, a, I think he was a diplomat. And he had gotten converted when he was in the camps mm-hmm. in, in Korea. Okay. He was captured. He was turned by the communists. Okay. He went back. He was in some important role and he was a spy. And they were thinking like, how many other of these yes. could there be, right? Yes. They all could be spies, Cherry. Yeah. So, however... They didn't seem to be finding that many. Yeah. But maybe, maybe there weren't that many. <laughs> or maybe, Cherry. Yeah. They didn't know they were spies. Oh, wow. Maybe the spies. Didn't know. Didn't we're brainwashing know. too. Yeah. That maybe the brainwashing is just that good. Maybe there's a deeper brainwashing we, don't, we didn't we know didn't about. We didn't know about. Yeah. Okay. Enter Riching, Richard Condon's 1959 book, The Manchurian Candidate. Oh, God. Which I made Cherry watch with me last night, the yeah. 1962 movie. It was movie quite with, an experience, let me tell you. <laughs> with Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Um, the plot of the book and the movie, um, the Soviets and Chinese band together mm-hmm. to kidnap an American patrol, yeah. take them to Manchuria, hypnotize, yeah. drug, and psychologically condition one of them, yeah. who has political connections, essentially, mm-hmm. to be a killer, and the rest to recommend the killer for Medal of Honor. Mm-hmm. So most of the patrol gets a light brainwashing yeah. to say that this guy's a hero. And then the hero is brainwashed to be a secret killer who will kill assassin. On, a secret assassin who will kill on command and not remember that he's done it. Yeah. Um, the target was young, white, handsome, and the child of a senator mm-hmm. who was a stand in for Joseph McCarthy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He was able to move in high social circles and he would kill whoever they wished without guilt or memory. Mm hmm. He was only stopped when the commander of the patrol, Marco, who is of a more Frank mixed... Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra in the movie. Yeah. Who is of a more mixed Italian working class heritage. Yeah. Shakes his brainwashing with the love of a woman. Yeah. A woman also breaks the control on the killer. But anyway, it's, it's a... You should watch the movie. But... Or it's a, it's a period I don't know piece. if people should watch... We got to have a different episode just talking about <laughs> I the movie. I think we do. Because I think I kept asking you to pause and I just had so much Cherry, to say Cherry, about it. I just, you know, there's there's cultural differences. And even though I was born way after, I can tell, as I maybe most Americans, I don't know if most Americans can, in an old, like, 
1950s, 1960s movie when there's a when there's someone who's supposed to be Asian and it's like a white or yeah. like a, a Middle Eastern, I don't know, they're, they're whoever. It was a Middle Eastern guy who yeah. played, yeah. I can just be like, oh yeah, Chinese that guy's person. supposed to be Chinese. Yeah. And Jerry's and- like... No, the, 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 the first part of the movie the first maybe one third of the movie was so so confusing because yeah. i am not trained by you know by my upbringing to pick up no no to pick up subtle to pick up subtle hints of racist stereotypes yeah against me yeah so, so you know there's all these um after you pointing them out I'm for like, educational purposes I'm not like for yeah that guy's reasons. supposed to be chinese yeah but you're like this is why and i'm like Oh, like that's right. These dog whistle racism. Oh yeah, it's in a way. Obviously, it's like okay. Well, if if you don't know it, it doesn't work for against you, right? Like yeah. you're not influenced by. But imagine growing up in '60s America, and <laughs> that's what you get. I mean, it's, I, it's Frank Sinatra, and I think this was, this was a highly popular movie. And imagine the, growing up in that as an Asian American, and, and I just I, I, yeah. And the portrayals in this, yeah, were fairly tame. I, yeah, well, you know what? I don't even want to watch the other movies that are not fairly <laughs> tanned then. Oh, there's some. It's cr- yeah, this, yeah, this movie is crazy. Um, maybe we'll have an episode. If our audience... And then they remade it in 2004. Oh, yeah. Was, um, yeah, I know. Meryl Streep was in it, and I was oh, my God. So, like, I can't believe it. Why would they remake something like that? But my point is, our listeners, if yeah. you want a review of the Manchurian Candidate... Let us know. Yeah, maybe we could review both. Maybe, um, yeah. Maybe we'll review uh, both, you know, the the retake and the yeah. 1960s one. I really want to do an episode. So anyways, carry on, please. But regardless, the book and the later movie were huge successes. And the term Manchurian candidate, as in you have a, a secret, a person who doesn't know they're a communist agent and they mm-hmm. infiltrate the government, yeah. um, entered the public consciousness. And the plot, despite... Not seeming like anything that we've talked about that happened in Korea or China. No. Was not pure fiction. Parties were actively pursuing research to create amnesiatic agents that could be controlled at will. Mm-hmm. However, these parties weren't communist. <laughs> Do you know who they were, Cherry? Should I guess? It was, the, I CIA. It was, the, C- <laughs> it was the CIA, Cherry. Of course it's the CIA. It was the CIA. Yeah. The CIA who's like... Okay. I think that part of the history is now more well known. Yeah. Yeah. But back so the, then it was not. Uh, so the CIA, yeah. they looked at what was happening mm-hmm. in, in China and uh, in Russia. Mm-hmm. They're like, maybe we can do that. <laughs> yeah. But, not that like this is a bad. Let's stop them from doing it. Yeah, yeah. But maybe like maybe we can use it, use yeah. it ourselves to victimize people mm-hmm. to work for us. Well, we're going to talk. We're going to. So yeah, the CIA. And its predecessor, the OSS, during World War II, uh-huh. had long been interested in altering minds. Oh Back in World War II, they looked for truth drugs, mm-hmm. um, truth, truth, serum. truth serums. <laughs> uh, they yeah. attempted schemes like um, putting estrogen in Hitler's food to change his habits. Putting estrogen in Hitler's food? Yeah. What, making him more... They just thought it would like... Like a woman? Yeah, they thought it would just kind of like mess up the Nazi hierarchy. You know, Hitler grew boobs. Well, you know, that's interesting because if they thought masculinity was a problem, <laughs> which it is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> toxic masculinity thought, is a problem. His mustache will fall out. Yeah. He'll grow boobs and then everyone will be real confused and it'll hamper the war effort. Oh, it's not like they thought he will maybe a better person. If we kill him, they'll put yeah. somebody competent in charge. So, you know, we got to be careful. So Hitler's problem was that he was too competent. No, he was crazy. So he was good to be in charge. 
Yeah. But you could, if you could keep him in charge and make him even crazier. Oh, okay. Then you know. Okay. Sure. Um, Some crazy plots, basically. Yeah. So okay. a lot of this is from the book, The Search for the Manchurian Candidate, which a lot of these, these papers, it was all hidden. Okay. And it, they tried to burn it all, but some of it didn't get burned. And there was a New York Times journalist who I'm dug sure. it up and wrote a book in the 80s. So... Uh, they continued to develop and test new mind-altering drugs, going so far as sending teams to search for legendary psychedelic plants and mushrooms across the globe. <laughs> Many uses were explored, such as creating temporary psychosis in a foreign leader to discredit them, making someone's mind blank and pliable to gain information, or to possibly even reprogram them to follow your own commands. Mm. Testing was carried out both in the U.S. and abroad. In fact, the first LSD-equipped CIA teams were already in Japan, using it in the field before the Korean War and brainwashing even started. Oh, my God. So, and the thing is, is that all the way back in the 40s, you know, the communists were doing show trials and you'd bring up, um, you know, people and they would seem kind of like dazed and out of it and they would read off a paper and saying that they... Soviet communists. Yes, yeah. had done something and betrayed the state or, or whatever. Yeah. And people are like, oh, man, these people look like they've been hypnotized or something. And in reality, yeah. it's just that they've been psychologically beaten down yeah. over months yeah and they're just oh they could have been tortured as well i know tortured physically. but and and psychologically yeah and if they look zoned out and like out of it when they're on the the tv screen it's because they are right yeah. because they're just like a right and there's no mystery involved right yeah. it's just there's we, no mu mystery mushroom involved no and as we've talked as far about as we know yeah you know, this is the whole process. Yes. The only difference is, the main difference is in, in, in the Soviet use, a lot of the time it's used to just gain a confession and mm -hmm. then you put them on trial and you imprison them or kill them. They didn't use it to develop new members of the no, party? No, the Chinese method of like, yeah, of it kind of being transformative mm -hmm. and like a rebirth mm. is a little bit different mm, than, than okay. the Russian method. But anyway, so. So we took it and we make, made it our own. Yeah. So there seems to be a persistent belief among certain members of the CIA that the Russians and Chinese could not be ga getting their brainwashing results through the methods described so far. Okay. Despite all evidence and internal CIA reports to the contrary, this led to the belief that there could not be a brainwashing gap. We cannot let them get a brainwashing gap on us, Cherry. Mm -hmm. And as techniques were tried and discarded, more and more outlandish techniques were performed, such as repeatedly electroshocking patients until they forgot who they were and attempting to rebuild a personality for them. Okay. So this is the 60s, you know, late 50s. Yeah. You know, I, psychologists could just do whatever they want to people, I guess. Yeah. And um, like in Canada, there was a famous place where they would just electroshock somebody like five times a day for a week until My they God. until they were had no idea who they were or where they were. Yeah. And you would like play recordings and try to imprint a new right. personality. So if successful, the plan was to use the technique, Manchurian candidate style, to take Soviet agents, reprogram them, and send them back as secret agents, right? Because, you know, you could capture some Soviet guy from the embassy, right, who's out drinking at the pub. Yeah. You grab them, you hold them overnight, you, you reprogram them, and you send them back, right? Is there no way to find one Russian guy to pretend to be communist? Is there no way to just convince them well, with but, the, but the virtues of capitalism? Well, so see, <laughs> but this is all... So the CIA yeah. is interested. They want sureties they want sure things so if that person says they're interested mm -hmm. how do you know they're actually telling the truth they might also be a, they might be a double spy they might be a double spy yeah right so that's why they wanted a truth serum right, right. they thought like well maybe we can figure it out yeah 
if, if, if they're coming to us voluntarily, maybe we can dose them and figure out if they're really secret agent, double mm-hmm. agent. Yeah. If they're just a random person, we can kidnap them and brainwash them and send them back. Right. Um, Interesting. In all cases, though, these plans failed. It was easy enough to make someone delusional through drugs and easy to electroshock somebody until their brain was mush. Mm. But all that did is create delusional or brain damaged people. Yeah. You could not be sure a person high on LSD was telling you the truth. Um, no. And you could not implant a new personality into a blank minded person. I wonder who are the people that they destroyed well, throughout this process. Many of the records of these tests were destroyed and at least one person died. Mm-hmm. A U.S. Army officer who was dosed with LSD without his knowledge and then jumped out of a 10th story hotel window. Oh, my God. So the CIA, they wanted to test. Well, like, OK, we know we're taking LSD. Yeah. Right. But what happens if somebody who has no idea is just going through their day suddenly becomes out of their mind on LSD? How will they react, Cherry? What will they do? They did that without monitoring them and just let them jump out of the building. <laughs> basically, yeah. An so army. Like, is, so okay. there was like, oh so God. basically there was like a retreat. Yeah. And uh, like an army, like at a camp and the CIA dosed everybody's stuff with LSD. And one guy, um, it basically seemed to give him and he didn't know. Nobody knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. And then they told them afterwards. But one guy, he just became more and more psychotic. Yeah. And then a couple of days later, you know, he he was at a hotel room with somebody else and he, and he just woke up in the middle of the night and just jumped out of the window and killed himself. Oh my God. Yeah. And obviously, right. If you don't know, and because they thought, well, you know, we know what LSD does. So if we take it and then you try and interrogate us, it's not going to be realistic. So we got to just do it on people who have no idea what's going on. It's obviously very unethical. Yeah. I, well, you know what? And the U S government covered it up and they just told him that he committed suicide, like his wife and kids. Yeah. And it wasn't until like 15 years later that they admitted and, and gave him compensation. Did the army know? The army knew, but... Oh. But the, they, they couldn't have been happy about it. No. But... But Cherry, it was for America. It was for the Cold War. Oh my God. Okay. And he gave his life for well, I mean, I, I know, obviously, CIA is not, you know... It's, <laughs> nowadays, it's public knowledge that they've done... They have some dark yeah. past, maybe present, but who knows? But well, I, were, mean, I didn't were, know this. They were real crazy. Yeah. In the 1950s and 60s. Yeah. Um... My so, God, okay. Regardless, there was a fundamental disconnect in the way the CIA attempted to use brainwashing. Yeah. The Soviets and Chinese used it to force people to comply, regardless of what the actual truth was. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to somebody to confess, they confessed. It didn't necessarily matter whether if the confession was true, whether or not they actually did the crime. Yeah. If they wanted somebody to follow a certain ideology, it was a success if they followed it, regardless of whether or not they truly internally believed. Yeah. So, and obviously, you know, this is a generalization, mm-hmm. but, you know, in mass, right, this is what they're using it for. Yeah. The CIA, however, went for certainties, how to ensure someone was telling the truth, how to ensure an agent could never betray you. Such certainties are, of course, impossible, yeah. right? That might have been too ambitious. Even if somebody believes they're telling you the truth. Yeah. They, they might, might not know. Yeah, the they truth. might not know the truth, right? Yeah. So it's not a reliable way to extract information. No. It's only a reliable way to ensure the whole room of people don't point out the <laughs> elephant in the room. Yes. Yeah. Um, in the end, when the CIA did need to interrogate high-profile Soviet defectors, mm-hmm. they still, by and large, resorted to similar techniques as the Soviets and Chinese. Okay. Isolation, psychological pressure, and other discomforts. Um, while these were successful in getting people to talk, they still did not guarantee truth. 
This is a lesson, of course, that the CIA still has not learned to this day, which could be seen in the enhanced interrogation techniques, quote unquote. To this day, you mean current day? I mean, basically, yeah, last 10 years. Mm. I mean, I think, I mean, you know. Guantanamo Bay? Guant- yeah, Guant- Guantanamo I mean, Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Used during the global war on terror, yeah. right? Where they isolation, yeah. barking dogs, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Making people stand all day. Yeah. It can, it, it, it can make people talk. It can make people say stuff. You still have no idea if it's real. No. Right? Yeah. As for China, the mass nature of these techniques faded as Maoism did, though it remained longer in places like political prisons. Mm. Though perhaps today (laughs) they may have returned. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously today the term brainwashing kind of brings up some science fiction type connotations. Yeah. But in its original form, this concept of kind of isolation and psychological pressure yeah there's nothing magical about it and it works on most people yeah um especially if you're not prepared for it or or kind of expecting it yeah and you know when you see people uh make comments or say things on chinese social media or in the news and then they get vanished for a month yeah and they come back later and say nope everything's great you know (laughs) yeah um I would be shocked if there was not some similar process going on. Yeah. Um, obviously not to the extent of this. 100%. Because it works. Yeah. Did you have an example you want to bring? Uh, you know. No? Okay. Uh, so let me say what I... So that, that was a very interesting episode. Oh, thank you. Chair. And I won't pretend that I didn't know what you were going to talk about, but uh. I didn't know the details, mm. right? So well, you saw me reading the books over the I past did. month. I did. <laughs> So the interesting thing you say, though, is that brainwashing um, brings up some uh, science fiction connotations mm-hmm. and, and fantastical, you know, plot points. Yeah. Maybe. But really, I, I, I have a different feeling about it. Maybe it's just you're referring to brainwashing the word in English mm-hmm. and people may not say it very lightly. Maybe Fox News say it. Well, yeah. uh, but, um, but really, in Chinese, it gets referred to it gets referred to in every sort of thing mm. right so you know your your parents might brainwash you into <laughs> fulfilling your filial duties you know yeah. your um you you might be part of a pyramid scheme and that they might have quote-unquote brainwashed you so the term gets used a lot more casually it sounds like in chinese it might be closer to the original meaning which is as described in as we've talked about during this this podcast sort of just like pressured yeah yeah 100 yeah, psychologically yeah. pressured into doing something yes and it doesn't mean a whole political regimen. No. You know, obviously, maybe that's, you know. So, but some of the stuff, and let me make a disclaimer. This may be whataboutism. I'm yeah. fully, I'm self-aware. <laughs> but not for the purpose of we don't need to do anything about it. Mm. Because other people are doing it too. But for the purpose of we got, you know, these sort of methods are universal in a way. Oh, yeah. And any sort of, you know, it's not the only... Being communism, you know, it, that is not the only sin to, like, develop members. You know, there are many other things. Well, the, the CIA, when they were investigating it, yes. they looked all the way back to the Spanish Inquisition. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? So some are argue that religion, right, lots of religion and or maybe extremist forms of them yes. uh, will employ well, some of these methods. Maybe not the full set. Yeah. Um, Obviously, there, I mean, for example, you mm-hmm. know, Catholics, right, confession. Yeah. Right? There's... There are ele- there are elements of this yes in all of society yeah uh, and obviously for example cults right they want you to cut off communication with mm-hmm. your family right they yeah. want to keep you isolated yes so no this is not a 
you know, this is not a it wasn't invented by by Chinese communists, but no. it was used in a mass yeah kind of way yeah um and, very ambitiously yes. And what's what makes it more relevant today, maybe though, is that because you were saying it went away right for mm-hmm. a while after you know Mao uh, Mao's period has ended yeah and we have a new 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 China mm-hmm. not just a new China it's a new China <laughs> after a new China, uh, but now with the political ideology tightening down in China, mm-hmm. the you know all sorts of teachers and and government employees are are asked to attend classes yeah and there's all these apps you know the the communist apps developed and you might have to go on every day and gain points by answering questions by reading um a certain amount of time by reading xi jinping thoughts or by reading you know uh, communist you know uh papers and and theories if you think about that's almost like an attempt or a trial yeah in eliminating the weak part of the system which is you have to have somebody leading the brainwashing yeah well, I don't know if it works exactly the same way. I don't think I it, honestly, I, you it, can't preach it because China is not communist, right? Yeah. That it's a, it's a market economy on large parts of it. No, I mean it doesn't work, uh, but, but it's it's kind of a, an attempt, I think. Exactly. So you you want truly believe it, but the point is not to truly believe it, like you said. Oh, the point is not to, for you to like figure out what the truth is. No. And there's other things that are maybe more played up today because imagine the the prison war camps. The, 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 the POWs, sorry, the mm-hmm. POWs. And they um, they were inside of a prison. All they have in contact with the outside world were these communist teachers, I guess, yeah. right, and trainers. And one of the ways that brainwashing, maybe in a modern term, is to limit, or maybe even by, by its purest form in this, described by this book, is to cut off, cut off your, and what you said about the, you know, the party schools, is to cut off your uh, connections. Yeah. Uh, with the outside world. So you can no longer get any sort of other knowledge, other perspectives yeah. from anywhere else. I'm, and this and, is this is one thing that uh, Hunter talked about is when people would try and debate it, mm-hmm. when they would actually engage with it, yeah. they're at a disadvantage because yeah. they, they, you know, they might go, oh, that doesn't seem right, but they have no way of looking like, no, looking up No, you can't read other what, books. You can't. No. Yeah. So that's what the Great Firewall is. Mm-hmm. And it's an echo chamber. You cut off the, you know, the, the, the freedom to take knowledge from elsewhere, to seek out knowledge, really. Not even to learn knowledge, but to just seek it out. You, you, know you are not allowed, you know not what, for your eyes. Do you, know what, do, you know what, do you know what Edward Hunter called it in his first book? What? The bamboo curtain. Oh, my God. There's the iron curtain. I don't like that. There's the she, iron okay. curtain, Cherry. Uh, then there's the bamboo. Why is it the iron curtain, by the way? I don't know. It's like, it's scary. What's special it's about Russia, iron? You know, it's... Okay. It's not because they were industrial and... Sure, right? I mean, okay. you know, it just seems scary, right? Well, this might be a good time to say I've learned the term bamboo ceiling recently. Mm. And I'm not... I, You know, I don't like it because bamboo ceiling as in replacement for glass ceiling. Bamboo for doesn't Asian even people. grow all over all of China. Well, bamboo doesn't, no. No, nah, right? We talked about it and then there's a, like a, there was a scare of like... <laughs> Maybe a fake scare, but like of not enough bamboo for the pandas. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't grow everywhere. Also, bamboo is not is not uh, transparent. So <laughs> the whole point of a glass ceiling is that transparent, right? Yeah. It, it's there, but you can't see it, but you can touch it. Um, but, but regardless, the, the point is, I don't need a ethnic ceiling <laughs> or ethnic curtain. Okay. But the point is, yeah, that hunters like it only works if you can't get outside information. Yes, which, which is, is exactly the and technology has only made it more. Mm-hmm. strict right it's, yeah. and it gives you an illusion that the internet is there and, but it's not and the 50 cent party the wumao yeah. the online propagandists yeah. shouting down everybody it's almost like a mass 
discussion group, right? Yeah. About if somebody says, well, that doesn't seem to make sense. No. You just, you beat them down into submission. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's, and it's an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Everyone you talk to, or every voice that is uh, elevated mm-hmm. on Weibo, on Chinese social media, is, is these talking points. Yeah. And that really serves its own purpose. I mean, social media in the West, in a way. It is. It's too, its own yeah. group brainwashing too. Because I mean, yeah. like, whatever posts get upvoted on Reddit, whatever posts become viral on Twitter or Facebook, yeah. right? Those yeah. are... If you're in an anti-vax group, yeah. that's all you hear. Yes. So you are being brainwashed by those it's, talking points as it's, well. It's people self-brainwashing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and the other thing I want to say, again, not whataboutism, is that people are completely capable of believing communism without the brainwashing yeah there's plenty of people let's not just mention chinese people because you might argue oh you know there's the talking points the schools that it's in their education it's their textbooks it's it's in our daily lives but like in the west there's plenty of you ever seen twitter yeah i know there's plenty of like quote unquote or (laughs) self-proclaimed self-claimed true believers of communism i went to high school with some of them yeah yeah So, you know, it's uh, it's not it's not unique to communism. I'm no. saying. It is a very useful tool. And that really needs to be taken into consideration when you think about, I guess, the CCP. Yeah. And um, the thing and is, though, is, it, is, it's, is it's, it's, it's not it's it's more universal than you think. Well, it's yeah. not even about really getting people to believe in, in communism in a way. No. It's a way of because people might go, you know, you have a society. Right. And even if it's communist, most people just might not care. Right. Oh, they, I know. Right. And they might go, yeah, communism sounds good. But like, it's really a way of, of radicalizing people. Yeah. Of, of Certain people. Well, yeah. Targeted people in the society to make sure that they're true, true believers or to make them act like they're true believers. Right. Well, you know, it's uh, I don't know if this is related. Maybe it is the Communist Party. If yeah. you want to exit, if you want to quit the party. Yeah. Apparently it's the hardest thing <laughs> in the whole entire world. Yeah. You know, and once you're in, because not everyone, not every Chinese citizen is a, is a communist party member. No. Very few of them. And really, actually, they're, the um, they're making it harder these days, right? Because yeah. there's lots of people who joined the communist party, you know, in the last couple of decades in China, mm-hmm. just because it's a good job with a pension. Oh, yeah. Job security, good health care. Yeah, yeah. You're working for the government. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, you Same as an American. Lots I, of, most of these jobs yeah. are the same as a government job everywhere else. Yeah. Most most other places. Maybe. Yeah, no, you're the person yeah. who makes sure that the you know yeah. uh, where you put new water pipes in the city or something, right? Exactly, like it's not, yeah. it, But now they're kind of they want these people to be more politically, yeah, um, politically active. Yeah. But yeah, but anyway, so like a person might believe in communism, mm-hmm. right? But when we talked about this a bit in the four pests campaign and, and other things, where it's like you, lots of people might believe in communism. But that doesn't mean they're going to go out and kill people for communism or they're mm-hmm. going to go no. kill every sparrow in China for communism. Like that's a level of intensity that yeah. you have to inject into people. You got to level up over the years. Yes. Yeah. And um, this is one of the forms of political training, really yeah. mass movements, political training. This is one of the, yeah. the, the, the blocks in that technique. Yes. But I'm saying the West thought. Right, the, the the red scare yeah. thought that brainwashing is how you why people believe in communism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's not so. No, and it's not about that either. Well, it's maybe why so many people in China supposedly believe in communism because yeah. in 1945, a lot less people in China believed in communism. You know, it's not like within five years yeah. suddenly everybody just independently decided it was a much better system. 
No, I don't think they were independent. They independently decided. No, I think they were just told this is the new system. I, I know, I know. Yeah, but in, in to a certain extent, when you when they said the Red Scare, the reason why there's so many communists, uh-huh. I mean, brainwashing and mass political movements are the reason there were so many communists in China. Sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, because I don't know if everyone who killed a sparrow was a communist party member. I think maybe more for maybe it's the mm. lack of. Maybe it's not that you gotta be for communism, yeah. but maybe it's just that you weed out the people who will say they're against communism. Oh yeah, you just keep your head down and you you, you get no, rid of the people a, that who will not. I mean, I mean, if, for example, To Live, right? Which is a good movie, right? Yeah. The whole plot of the movie. I don't know if he understands the the main character understands communism. What, at what the communism end. is, right? Yeah. It's just like we got to keep our head down. Yeah. Right, and but basically, yeah, you just destroy any people or you force them underground. Any people who will go. Do we really need to kill all the sparrows? <laughs> yeah. And then... Well, you can't question that. No. Well, it's... one last caveat. Do mm-hmm. you think women are less... Uh, less uh, Are more uh, suspicious towards... Brainwashing? Brainwashing. Because women has gone through a lot of bullshit as well in life. <laughs> you know, I don't know, though. Because obviously, when, you, when, you talk, when we talk about brainwashing, right? It's important mm-hmm. to distinguish between the kind of general, modernized idea of brainwashing. Yeah. And brainwashing as a specific process that was going on. How about let's talk about the specific process because that's more I measurable. Think, than I it. think they're quite susceptible to it because mm-hmm. I think it's the idea of this new China in which they're going to be an equal part. Mm. Women hold up half the sky. That's good propaganda. Right. And it's very, that's, I mean, right. That's very yeah. enticing. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is what Edward Hunter talks about. He's like, people want to believe. Yeah. Right. These are people who've had. I mean, I want to believe. Right. It's universal. Everybody, yeah. People. This is China. Right. For the past 100 years has been century of shame, has had foreigners, colonialism, the Japanese war, corruption, opium, you know, has been, you know, just beaten by everybody. And national re- nationalism only ra- ra- uh, rise. Yeah. Rise war- during this time. Yeah. Warlords. Like, yeah. You know, famines, hunger. And the idea that like now it's different, right? Yeah. And when like Edward Hunter was like at the celebration in Macau, you know, he's like, he's like, I get it, right? Like, and they're telling you this is how it will be. This different. is how, and if you can only just accept it, right? If you can only just believe, if you can be brainwashed, allow yourself to be brainwashed, yeah, positively. Mm-hmm. If you can confess all of your sins, yeah, you can allow yourself to be brainwashed and reborn as a communist, and then you know, re- have other people be reborn. Mm-hmm. We're going to reach it. We're going to reach this perfect society. Yeah. Right. You just have to believe. You have to earnestly believe it. And like, like Winston in 1984 at the end. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's very understandable yeah. why that's effective. Right. Because, yeah. you know, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, I get it. I, it, it works. Right. Yeah. And I mean, obviously the mass kind of movements and political, you know, that's not, that's obviously a bit more diffuse, right? Some people, the most they might ever see of communism is some posters and a mm-hmm. play. Yeah. But the whole thing is very is very powerful, right? And yeah. it's the first time in anybody's lives who's alive that China is completely controlled by Chinese people, which is part of it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, came, yeah, okay. I mean, even the KMT, right? I mean, you have colonial possessions, right? You have, sure. yeah. 
You have uh, extraterritoriality. Yeah. The Japan- I don't know if China, 1949 China was not all controlled by Chinese people, by the way. Wow. Well, <laughs> some other, there's some territory. I mean, there's Hong and Kong there. and there's Macau, but, but you yeah. know what I mean. But I think the propaganda was, at least they were told that China's held by Chinese people for the first time. Yeah. But, you Completely. Know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, you know, so it's, um. It's my job to question. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's, it's, you know, so it's powerful. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, women get brainwashed, but also, as we talked about earlier, women also get cast aside, right? Like, for mm-hmm. example, they, 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 you know, they're, they're basically anti, anti-marriage in a lot of respects yeah. right? in the, during this time period, like the early 1950s. Yeah. And so, but like, they're also, they don't have contraceptives. No. Right? So women get pregnant all the time. Yeah. And then, you know, they just, their babies get taken away to some like group raising Commun- facility right <laughs> yeah, yeah or things like that or like they're just expected to go on and be communists yeah while they're pregnant and yeah. do everything that they so the, oh if your husband died you better remarry and reproduce more communists yeah so it's it's not it's, your call that you cannot it's it's just not a choice I, it's really one opposite to the other yeah and in, and in really ways. yeah the thing is is like um and this is also in many societies that kind of get malice ideas it's like women really hold up more than half the sky because they're expected mm-hmm. to do everything at that, home and that women yeah, are supposed oh, to do yeah. in a traditional society. Yeah. But they're also supposed to work and they're supposed to be good communists and they're supposed to do all that other stuff. Yeah. Right. So they hold up like 75% of the <laughs> sky. Of the in the sky. meantime, with no real power at the center with of the party. No real power. Right. Yeah. I mean like, yes, women are out working. Yeah. Right. But, but they it's don't like, get high rankings in the military. No. They so don't like, get... Yeah. So yeah, you women, you're supposed to go work in the factory, yeah. but it's not like the men are expected to, you know, <laughs> yeah. raise the children. Yeah. Um, so more responsibilities. Yeah. That doesn't come with more power. No. <laughs> and rights. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want that? No, I mean, yeah. and obviously, like, I mean, it does come with more rights. I mean, obviously, compared well, slightly compared to not like proportionally, can we say that? No. I mean, you know, compared to, well, I mean, I guess. Proportion- are, you, are you saying no one has any more rights? Yeah, I mean, like, I think. The gulf in the difference of rights between men and women mm. in 1950s China is much lower than the gulf between the rights of men and women in like 1930s China. That's true. Right? Uh, I don't know. It brought down. We've got to do an episode on that. Brought, I, I need to look more into that. Well, we the concubines and comrades, Cherry. I know, but I mean, sure. I'm going to give this one to Mao. I'm going to give Mao a point in my book. Well, that's your freedom to do so. <laughs> Mao, feminist icon. Oh, my God. Liberating women, Cherry. Taking the bandages off their bound feet. I think Nali has been brainwashed. <laughs> <laughs> Very successful propaganda. Yeah. So, okay. Well, hopefully that was interesting to people. Yeah. You know, and it maybe gives you some context, mm-hmm. not just in China, but anywhere in the world where... This is practice. This is or practice. Or parts of it is utilized. Right? Yeah. And the U.S. practices it, right? I mean, you could even argue in many ways like... Um, pre-trial detention and police interrogations is a form of brainwashing right yeah yeah yeah. um where you you know you hold somebody like it could be a kid right a 16 year old Mm -hmm. keep them away from their family yeah bring them in interrogate them every day i mean like yeah that could you could easily get a false confession from that right um so it's a it's a universal thing um but yeah Anyway, okay. If you enjoy this episode, give us a rating on Apple Podcast. That's really uh, that really will be very or, helpful or Sp- to us. Or Spotify, let's ratings. Oh, Spotify has ratings now. Or, or the podcast platform of your choice. 
all the podcast platform of your choice if it has rating, I or, guess. Or follow us on Twitter. Or follow us. On t- okay, that's this list is getting longer yeah, and longer. Are begging. Yeah. So Please. either way, though, if you would like to, if you have anything you'd like to email us, um, it's at contact at withchinesecharacteristics.com. We, we always appreciate. We always appreciate listener mail. So uh, we will see you next time. All right. Have a nice day.